BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. A group of mostly Democratic lawmakers plans to formally introduce a proposal today that would send California taxpayers a $400 rebate to help with the recent surge in gas prices following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The proposal appears to have bipartisan support in Sacramento as lawmakers try to ease the financial burden on California drivers who are dealing with average gas prices of $5.79 a gallon, according to AAA. But many Republicans are also calling for a temporary suspension of the state's gas tax. In San Diego County, the Board of Supervisors this week approved a motion calling on Governor Newsom to suspend the gas tax for a year. Here's Supervisor Jim Desmond. It's inexcusable to see the pictures of the gas signs at six and seven dollars. And that's why I think it's critical that a temporary suspension of the 51 cent per gallon uh, state gas tax be suspended. The gas tax hurts our seniors on fixed income, low-income families, middle-class families, and anyone who has to drive to work. San Diego is the first county in the state to call for a temporary suspension of the gas tax. Those who are in favor of finding other solutions have argued a suspension of the gas tax might not help lower prices, as there's no guarantee oil companies would pass on the savings to consumers. Scientists monitoring Bay Area wastewater for signs of another coronavirus wave driven by an Omicron subvariant have not detected any sustained rise in the region. KQED science editor Kevin Stark reports. Researchers are seeing more of the BA2 mutation, a more contagious version of Omicron. They say this subvariant appears to be responsible for a couple of bumps that appeared in wastewater in Palo Alto and San Francisco, but quickly subsided. The state's winter Omicron wave was fueled by BA1, which is falling in concentrations across the region. The scientists expect BA2 will eventually dominate here and are watching for signs that it could drive a spike in new cases. But there's not much sign of that yet. CDC officials estimate that BA2 now makes up a quarter of new COVID cases in the U.S. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. Advocates for disabled people in California are calling on Governor Newsom and local health officials to reinstate the state's mask mandate for indoor settings. Christine Mitchell is a public health researcher in Oakland who was born with Marfan syndrome, an inherited disorder that affects the body's connective tissues and often impacts a person's heart, blood vessels, and bones. Mitchell says the messaging she and others in the disabled community are receiving now is that at this stage in the pandemic, things are mostly fine. But she says that's not the case for everyone. The CDC messaging that wearing masks is a personal preference not a collective responsibility. The fear and anxiety are no longer a collective experience. 
now they're just the problem of disabled people, immunocompromised people, those with long COVID, elders, kids under five. Advocates say disabled Californians like Mitchell are being forced to choose between isolation and an increased risk of contracting COVID-19. In Mitchell's case, she says she may have to return to online shopping and avoid restaurants or other indoor businesses that have lifted mask and vaccine requirements. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. A California Assembly bill with bipartisan support aims to hold social media platforms liable with financial consequences for knowingly addicting children to their services. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin spoke with lawmakers and advocates behind the legislation, which advanced in Sacramento this week. The bill, known as the Social Media Platform Duty to Children Act, is the first of its kind in the nation. It was introduced by Democrat Buffy Wicks of Oakland and Republican Jordan Cunningham of San Luis Obispo and has additional support from the University of San Diego School of Law Children's Advocacy Institute. The aim of the bill is to put financial consequences on companies that, as a part of their business model, addict children to social media platforms. Ed Howard is senior counsel at the Institute. Those financial consequences could come in the form of legal damages or civil penalties if the platforms are found liable, and the legislation would apply to retroactive complaints. The bill would also require social media platforms to implement measures to temper the propensity for addiction. Again, Ed Howard. Ask any parent whose kid is addicted what it's like to try and take that phone away. It's a battle royal. So what they could do is put a preset time limit when the thing shuts off, when the slot machine goes dark, and you actually have to go about your real life for a while. And by the way, it's probably not a coincidence that the gesture of a slot machine going from up to down is the same gesture as how you scroll on your phone. Assemblymember Jordan Cunningham, who introduced the bill, has four children who range in age from first grade to teenagers. So he's seen these issues at home on a wide spectrum, especially during the pandemic. 
He says he's worried by what he hears from friends with kids and what he sees in research about the self-esteem and depression issues he thinks social media can exacerbate. And I think this bill is a good vehicle to have that debate. Who should pay the social cost of that? Should it all be borne by the healthcare system, the education system, the parents and the kids that were harmed? Or should some of that cost be borne by the companies that created these products and profited from allowing kids to use them? The bill is set to go before the state assembly's Judiciary Committee this spring. For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. For two years now, Los Angeles tenants have been protected from eviction over non-payment of rent. Now, county leaders are giving landlords some relief on their taxes. From KPCC in Los Angeles, reporter David Wagner has details. L.A. County's Board of Supervisors voted to cancel property tax late fees for landlords who aren't getting rent because of ongoing eviction protections. The move comes after many small landlords complained about having to house tenants rent-free, even though the landlords have not received government rent relief. Supervisor Catherine Barger co-authored the proposal. She said many elderly landlords rely on rental income and they need more help. Under state law, L.A. cannot suspend property taxes, but it can waive penalties for landlords who can't pay on time due to missed rent. County tax collector Keith Knox says he'll work to spread the word. We're going to do our best to push out the message, just so as many people that do need to avail themselves of this process can certainly be aware of it. Landlord groups supported the motion, but called on the county to go further by canceling all pandemic renter protections. For the California Report, I'm David Wagner in Los Angeles. California Attorney General Rob Bonta is calling out the city of Pasadena for trying to avoid the implementation of SB 9. That's the new state law that allows for the construction of up to four housing units on parcels of land previously zoned for single-family homes. The California Report's Saul Gonzalez has more. In a letter sent this week to Pasadena Mayor Victor Gordo, Attorney General Bonta warned that the city's passage of an ordinance exempting Pasadena neighborhoods from SB 9, if they're declared landmark districts, violate state law and must be repealed. If that doesn't happen, Bonta promises to hold Pasadena accountable. In January, soon after SB 9 was implemented, Mayor Gordo told the California Report he opposes the law because it could destroy the character of Pasadena neighborhoods and involve the state in too many local zoning decisions. I think cities like Pasadena should challenge SB9. SB9 is simply a land grab that's going to have a tremendous impact on the quality of life for the people of Pasadena. But Pasadena affordable housing advocates like Anthony Manousis say SB9 is needed to force Pasadena to build more desperately needed housing as rents and home prices in the city of 140,000 residents soar. Well, I support it because I think it'll create homes that are a little bit less expensive and it could be more affordable to what we call the missing middle, people who are teachers, city workers. So I see SB9 as meeting the need of a very important sector of our community, the middle class. Pasadena isn't the only place that's gotten Attorney General Bonta's attention for trying to sidestep the implementation of SB 9. Last month, Bonta warned the Northern California town of Woodside that its attempt to declare the entire community a mountain lion sanctuary so more housing couldn't be built in single-family home neighborhoods violated the law. After the warning, Woodside dropped that idea. For the California Report, I'm Saul Gonzalez. 
Minor league baseball players have been pushing for better pay for years. Now, a California state senator is hoping his legislation can lead to a national movement to help them. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi explains. San Mateo State Senator Josh Becker introduced the Minor League Baseball Players Bill of Rights this week, which he says would modernize work conditions for players. The more you learn how these minor leaguers have been treated from a contractual standpoint, from a pay standpoint, we said we have to do something. The bill would allow players to retain their rights to their name, image, and likeness without affecting their eligibility and status with their minor league team. And it would also prohibit contracts from lasting longer than four years. Harry Marino, executive director of the group Advocates for Minor Leaguers, says that's an important provision and will allow players to earn a fair wage sooner in their careers. If minor league players become free agents, they become able to make what they're actually worth on the open market. So if if you're in that uniform player contract, the team is really stuck paying you only $1,800 a month during the season, $2,000 a month during the season, depending on level. A federal judge in San Francisco this week ruled that minor leaguers are year-round employees and that they should be paid for travel time to road games and for the time they spend at camps during spring training. Marino says this is a big piece to the puzzle in the fight for better wages. Players, as I said, have not received a paycheck since last September. They've been working for their teams all winter and into the spring. They're working every day, long hours at spring training right now, and it's time for them to receive the paycheck that they're owed. State Senator Becker says if the bill passes, he hopes it can be a springboard for similar federal legislation. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org slash health equity. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And that's the California Report for Thursday, March 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening and have a great St. Patrick's Day. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. 
Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.